Welcome to the Casual Mass Request Episode 7. Uh, I am your host for the day, Nick. And then in this corner, we have Cam. What's up? Uh, our main host, uh, Tyler Widodo, is unfortunately not able to be with us today on the fact that he's just gotten married and he's probably at his reception, dancing drunkenly, having fun. A terrible excuse, really. There's really no excuse to it's, not be on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, you know, lack of commitment, lack of yeah. discipline. It's discipline, yeah. really. Um, we'll punish I him later. Mutiny, I think a mutiny is in order. Possibly, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so episode seven, I can't believe it's actually been seven weeks. It, felt, it feels like it's been a lot longer. Yeah. Um, so uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter, um, just because we don't have our main host. And also, it's been a really slow week, I think, except for some drama on uh, different, uh, you know, with different companies. It's been a really slow week. Yeah, and um, things often feel slow by comparison, too, just because once you get after E3, of course, you know, E3 happens as a windfall of news. And then there was so much going on that it feels afterwards like, wow, there's nothing. <laughs> just a big nothing. And it's like, oh, big gap. It's like the it's like the quiet after like a Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody's right. stuck their faces and nobody wants to move and everybody's yeah. lazing around for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um Cam, what you been playing uh, this week? All right, so I actually went back and I've been playing a lot of shooters because what I've been doing is, as I mentioned last time, I picked up Game Pass on Xbox right. One. So I'm going back just playing a bunch of stuff. I worked through State of Decay 2. I played all of Halo 5. I played, I'm playing Gears of War 3 right now, and I also played all of Homefront Revolution, a game I normally wouldn't have picked up at all, but I had it for free on Games Pass, so why not? But uh, yeah, no, a lot, of, a lot of stuff there to talk about if you want to pick on any particular one. There was a big deal I remember about uh, Homefront a few years ago when it came out. What was uh, what was the deal about? I never played it and I've never seen any gameplay. So, so uh, I mean, Homefront. So the thing was about it, it was just very mediocre as a game. You know, the first Homefront's reception wasn't that great, and uh, what they decided to do with the second one was make it open world. So it's almost like. Um, it's more so like not Ubisoft towers necessarily, but you have to go around and liberate specific strongholds and jump around and that sort of thing. Uh, the core narrative's not that impressive, and uh, gameplay's a little wonky. There's definitely some some glitches and that sort of thing. But the really silly thing about it that I didn't know about and I discovered is apparently for some reason they ported the entirety of Time Splitters Two in an arcade machine in the game. So like I just I started up an arcade machine in the game, just figuring it'd be like, oh, it's probably some eight bit joke game they made, and straight the entirety of Time Splitters too, and it's just like campaign, and I was like, yeah, and I played for like forty five minutes. It was crazy. Uh, so I, was, I don't know why that happened. I'm gonna look into that, but it was pretty wild. But yeah, overall, relatively unremarkable game, except for that, I'd say. Yeah, probably a reason for people to buy the game so they can play time splitters too <laughs> seriously because i mean in effect right that's a remaster in effect because you get to play it on higher uh, resolution right, so right. Yeah. in effect it's a sort of upscaled uh, is, that, is that the future of remastering old games port them into existing game that you've just made <laughs> i mean hey i'd like to see it more that'd be pretty rad like let's be real what if uh what's the hell we were talking about metal wolf chaos uh at e3 but what if you were just play dark souls and you just happen to run into <laughs> metal wolf chaos in the middle of it just saying <laughs> Wouldn't be a bad uh, idea. 
<laughs> yeah, so tell me about uh, in pre pre show you tell me uh, you had some interesting thoughts about Halo 5. Yeah, so I know we talked about Halo 5. Yeah. So uh, and I think last episode we were talking about it and uh, how the narrative gave you the impression that it was going to be a very morally gray game between Spartan Locke and yeah. Master Chief. And it's just a big nothing burger. Oh, man. It's pretty much nothing. It was it was even less than I thought, because when we were talking about it, I figured there would be a divide between the two, but it would be like, uh, you know, OK, but, you know, both sides are, you know, sort of sort of OK, like it's not going to be a terrible divide or anything like that. But what it actually was, was they weren't even on opposite sides like ever. Like Locke was just trying to bring him in because he went off on his own and didn't take leave. And then like about halfway and he starts to master chief starts to indicate like, no, I'm going to like Cortana is dangerous. And they're like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> there, was, there was like, no, there's no conflict. They fight once and a cutscene at the very beginning. It's ridiculous. Despite that fight being really cool. It was, it was disappointing. Um, it reminded me, no, when I saw Batman versus Superman, it reminded yeah. me of Halo five. Because yeah. it was like, Oh, I hate you. No, I hate you. Martha. Oh wait, are we best friends now? <laughs> Pretty that's, much. That's really all it reminded me. Yeah. Of. I also um, expect I expected him to fight at least once, like in a firefight or something. Like, do uh, you get to control like it? Like a full blown, like tactical, strategic yeah. firefight between the two teams, Team yeah. Blue and Team Lock. That would have been great. Um, <laughs> because if you've seen the trailers as well, there were uh, two specific trailers where one was Master Chief narrating yeah. and walking towards uh, downed Agent Lock with a gun in his hand, and uh, the other trailer was vice versa, where it was Agent Lock walking towards a downed Master Chief with a gun in his hand and giving yeah. stop, um, crappy uh, voiceover about how <laughs> done wrong and they must be brought to justice or uh-huh. the other hide where like I'm going to do what I want because this is what's right and what needs to be done, and then there was even an AR. Uh, I guess the closest you could say was a podcast with uh, Jordan Key. No, what are those? Key and Peel, the okay. key guy, the tall guy, uh, narrating it as a, a inv- journalist or investigator going through Oni files, Oni reports, finding out the truth. It was called Hunt the Truth. Oh my, that's so funny. Like, it almost makes me wonder if the, like, the narrative changed at some point. Because when you play the actual game, the only thing Master Chief does wrong, the only reason that they're even going after him is because he straight took leave without telling them. He's yeah, like, he just went AWOL and he's he like, went no. AWOL. he just, he didn't even do anything bad. He just left. And they were like, Hey, you're, you're uh, what's it called on? Um, you're gone without leave or absent without leave or something like that. So yeah. we got to bring you in. There's no, there's no overarching like truth or justice or anything. It's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, besides that, you know, I, I enjoyed playing it a little bit. It's always fun to just play through a Halo campaign, <laughs> you know, uh, especially having been out for so long. Last time I played was the launch of four. So, yeah, it was it was good to get back in. No, despite everything, um, core gunplay multiplayer was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think because of the false uh, advertising and the false marketing that would really uh, like hurt the game in the long run. But the devs have been fantastic in terms of releasing updates and keeping people updated, uh, you know, posted regularly on what's happening, what changes they are bringing. But yeah, no, the story was bad. Advertisement was bad. Yeah, and then I started the game up and it started giving me card packs of things I could open. Like there was like uh, daily loot boxes, basically. And I yeah. didn't even know what that was. I was just like, oh, I have, okay, I'm unlocking weapons. I'm unlocking stuff. That's oh, hmm. <laughs> dangerous system. I would have gotten addicted to it. So good thing I didn't wait. <laughs> good thing I waited till now, at least. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been playing uh, standards. I'm a man of habit. Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Go, Overwatch, Destiny 2, Fortnite. Yeah, Maybe so. Uh, much around that. 
Pokemon Go, though. So have you played around with the friend system and all that yet? Yes. Uh, my roommate, who's now in Ukraine, he flew out in the middle of the week, uh, sent me a gift from Ukraine. And it was great. I got Ultra Balls because I had zero Pokeballs um, because <laughs> I've not been grinding Pokestops. So yep. I have some now and I have to start grinding to get ready for the community day event. But no, it's great. Um, it's a system I'm sure they've given a lot of thought to, uh, especially with trading and that you need Stardust and some legendaries have like a really high yeah. Stardust requirement. It's like 100,000 or something. Which <laughs> makes sense and doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense because you want people to actually work for the Pokemon and like, you know, make them go. Like it, there are Pokemon that are like region uh, based yeah, region specific. So, yeah, region specific Pokemon. So it makes sense for those Pokemon to have trading in the game, um, and then so they probably want. But oh, the legendaries that we're giving you through like the weekly stuff, you should probably go out and do it rather than cheese it and just get it from your friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, and I like that. But the whole point of trading, again, it's it's these things where they're taking stuff from the original, the core games, and mm-hmm. then just yeah. Um, Making yeah. it fit a mobile audience, honestly, because yeah. I yeah. think, uh, you know, what they did do was they made it not a problem because everyone was concerned that it was going to break the game economy, basically, that what was going to happen was you're going to have everybody trading up their 100 IV from eight different bot accounts and people were going to be trading legendaries till everyone had everything. But the way they limited it, limited it in a way so that you still do have to work to get the things you want. But I think what it is nice for and what I am glad about is uh, despite the large cost, what this means now is say you're, you know, extremely busy for a month and you can't go on the raids when a particular Pokemon's in rotation, which sometimes is only a couple weeks, uh, your friend picks up an extra one and now you can actually have a way to get it and not miss out on that, which is something I'm consistently worried about. Like anytime a new legendary comes out, I'm like there the first day, like, uh, you know, cancel all my plans. I need to catch this (laughs) thing before people stop fighting the raids, basically. Uh, so I actually got a couple Regice so far. Regice so far. Did you uh, happen to grab any? Or? No, I I'm I'm a lonely man. I don't have any friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I like again. Pokemon Go has been great. I've been enjoying my time with it. Uh, I've actually gone on a lot more walks, which is yeah. a shocking thing to me. Nobody, if I, you know, you tell my family I'm going out for a walk, they'll think something's wrong with me. They'll <laughs> think, um, you know, I need to go to the doctor or figure out what's going on. Um, <laughs> But no, no, it's great. Uh, again, so for collecting, collecting point of view, or for people who have time constraints or whatever other like require, you know, uh, preoccupations, yeah. uh, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I just have my gripe with mobile games and Pokemon. Of course, Wars, you know, of course. But it's good. It's fun. Yeah. It's, uh, it is what it is. The one net positive thing I think about it is the gift system and the friend system because that's just basically more items for everybody because you get them pretty frequently and if you're you know, sending gifts back and forth like you're getting like 10 ultra balls every time. Like I got three gifts today I think so far and it's just like oh, just, give, just give me more eggs. Just give me more <laughs> stuff. Like it's making items not as, as rare especially Pokeballs which I'm constantly running out of. So yeah. I'm happy about that. Oh yeah no the friend system I think should have been implemented a long time ago this was all promised at the launch trailer honestly and it's been two years now and they finally got it out so yeah (laughs) i would imagine eventually there would be a system where you'd be able to party up with your friends and let's say a party max party of four or five and go like raiding or battling gyms or doing something Mm -hmm. together which would give people like a party bonus yeah or even just like a squad thing like kind of like that a squad mechanic where you team up with uh you have a small team and uh you get bonuses yeah that'd be nice uh that would definitely for xp for stardust maybe a couple extra items totally worth it because you know this is at the point in time in a mobile game's lifespan where Pokemon Go, because 
people have stopped playing, they need to now court the existing players by giving them more stuff. This is the time yeah. when they need to give more items, when they need to give more experience. So yeah. it's good that they are. But yeah, and that's, the better that's you can Pokemon. retain your current player base, it eventually starts drawing in more people. Yeah. Um, and people might come back and find that they enjoy the game now because there's so many more features. I mean, if we go from what it was like at launch to what it's like now, I think the only thing that I miss is the footprint system, really. What was the footprint? It shows the number of footprints shows how far it is. Yeah. I remember you could track down Pokemon specifically. Uh, you right, can specifically yeah. track certain Pokemon via yeah, their footsteps yeah, yeah. And, stuff and, and target them. Uh, that that I do miss. But other than that, I mean, the, it's a completely different game. There's so many new features now. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, so uh, that's Pokemon I, Go. My understanding of Pokemon Go um, when they first announced it and they were showing all the trailers was that you'd be able to set up a gym yes. yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think I understand like how, why that didn't happen and why it's not the way it is now. But uh, again, going back to like the party system, the squad system, I think now it's possible. Maybe yeah. have not as many as like regular gyms now, but have like super gyms where you can go and if if there's a, if it's an empty, you go set up and you can invite your friends and you can set up. If it's not empty, you squad up, go battle the gym, take out the people, win, and then you can set up there. Yeah, I've even suggested, I know, um, what's it called? I think that in Invest did this, or not Invest, oh, geez, what was Niantic's other game? I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Oh, they, uh, they did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's the Portal one. And yeah, yeah. what they have is they have a system, I believe, once you get to a high enough level that you can actually drop a portal, you can start requesting where portals should be dropped. So I think Pokemon Go actually at the higher levels maybe give every player once they hit level 40 maybe give them either a pokestop drop or maybe even a gym drop among a team so that you can create a new gym and have other people come and challenge it because i know like you said when the game got announced uh, i was in college in the game organization and we were like oh we're gonna make gyms and everyone in gamer can you know fight the gyms and it's gonna be awesome we're gonna plan out our teams but of course you couldn't do any of that yeah, yeah. but uh, no i would like that going forward i think you know, we're at the point where we should start maybe at the highest level getting some sort of request system for something that'd be cool especially for dropping gyms i'd really like that yeah so that's uh so that's pokemon go yeah, um, yeah. we've got a couple uh topics today um first one being uh, the nintendo cartridge hack slash ban uh do you want to lead us off on that cam yeah so this is actually pretty scary so basically what happens is the nintendo switch got hacked very early which we've we've talked about briefly before i believe but now there's the scenario where certain game cartridges basically you can use the cartridge itself to dump the rom of the game so that somebody can play it on an emulator however okay. because each cartridge has a specific certificate associated with it when that game is dumped and goes online people know about that nintendo is informed about that and they can ban that specific cartridge from going online right so what that means is they're now, and they've decided to, is the, is the uh, report. So they're banning specific cartridges that have been used in hacks for going online. What this means, though, is the used market for Nintendo Switch games becomes dangerous because if you don't know, basically, if that cartridge has been used online before. So if you get a used game from GameStop oh, and see. you on your Switch try and go online with that cartridge, the lockout's based on the cartridge, so you'd lose online functionality. Uh, so in the best case scenario, imagine a game like Splatoon, right? And this is this is the best case because there's a worst case. But uh, you get Splatoon and it turns out it's a hacked cartridge, so you can't go online with it. And then, you know, that, that what has to happen is retailers now, if this is true, will have to test every game before they, uh, what's it called, actually sell it. Right. And the more dangerous thing, I've heard other reports, and this hasn't been confirmed by Nintendo themselves yet, but a lot of people are reporting it, 
that if you do use a hacked cartridge, your entire Switch Online functionality gets banned, meaning your account. So if you happen innocently to pick up a used cartridge that was hacked, you could get banned entirely for using your Switch Online, which is extra dangerous because then you, retailers can't even test it because they their units would get banned if they went to test it. Uh, so it, it becomes a huge minefield, an enormous minefield as far as used games go. So it, I think it's an incredibly heavy-handed tactic. Uh, we'll see the extent of it. We'll see how much Nintendo is doing it because these, these are very early reports last couple of days. But I'm sure this, this new story is going to uh, explode a little bit more. But uh, that's what we're dealing with right now. That's the uh, early report on that. Well, I'm sure if you're a company like Nintendo, you would ensure that if you're doing, if you're carrying out, uh, you know, if you're enforcing martial law to such an extent like this, yeah. uh, you would have some sort of support system for people to be like, look, if you're a consumer and you happen to buy a hacked cartridge, be like, look, I bought this by mistake. I didn't know. Here's my receipt. Uh, this is the proof that, that I didn't hack this. I just bought this. Yeah. Right. And, and for them to do something or to provide uh, retailers with uh, tools to be able to test. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, uh, hack cartridges or banned cartridges. That's Yeah, and I think that would be, if Nintendo does want to enforce this sort of draconian measure, I think the way that they're going to have to make it right is to send that sort of tool to cart to uh, specifically to retailers. Yeah, that's... Uh... That sucks. People suck. <laughs> um, yeah, no. You okay there? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I had to go off to... Uh, oh, did it not mute in time? No, I no, had it to muted. Mute it to, okay, cool. No, no, yeah, I had to no. mute it to cough. Um... Yeah, no, that's so. This is very similar to what's happening with uh, the Sony crossplay stuff, specifically with Fortnite. Yeah, man, the Switch. Uh, just honestly, this entire port Fortnite to Switch situation has unveiled a lot of things. There's a lot going on with it. Yeah, so basically, uh, for those who uh, don't know or haven't heard, if you have a uh, Epic Games account uh, that you've used to play Fortnite, and if you happen to have played it on uh, your PlayStation, um, if you use that same account uh, to log into uh, a Nintendo Switch or into onto PC or onto Xbox, it doesn't let you and it locks out your account. Yep. Yeah, you can only use it tied to one thing, specifically on Sony's end, however, because everything else has crossplay. So, so on yeah. your PC, on Switch, on mobile, on Xbox One, you can crossplay. But Sony specifically will not let you. So if you ever play your account on Sony, it's locked there. And uh, you can't play it on any of the other platforms afterwards, which, you know, there's a lot there in terms of if you have bought things on one platform and the content lock there. But uh, basically, Sony's because they're and this is a thing, right, because Sony is doing this 100 percent financially because they're the platform holder and they're the primary platform holder as well. They're the most popular console. That's why they can get away with this. And you know what? You know, there's a big case to say if Microsoft was in first place, they might be doing the same thing. But because Sony doesn't feel like they need to allow crossplay, that doesn't benefit them at all. Instead, because there's so many PS4s out there, they could just force people to get PS4s if they want to do it. This is true from a financial standpoint. I understand, but but when you when you start doing things that doesn't directly benefit the end consumer, that's what hurts you in the long run. So in the long mm-hmm. run, I think this could cause Sony to lose because they've always been the one proponent against uh, crossplay with a whole bunch of games. And I think we yeah, talked about this yeah, a few right? Yep. Uh, Microsoft, Microsoft is, despite the rivalry and despite Microsoft wanting to one up Sony at all uh, at any given time, they've been open to crossplay because even then, I think they understand the point of entertainment, the point of mm-hmm. um, allowing people to play games. Right. Um, sure. Every every console has their exclusives, but the exclusives that aren't there, they should at least allow crossplay. Um, 
because it benefits the consumer. And at the end, whatever the consumer decides is best or what they want is what ends up winning in the long run. So yes. while Sony might be winning right now, it's not a good idea for, um, even even if the effects don't show through right now, it'll happen, you know, four or five years down the line. Yeah, and I don't know how long they'll be able to hold out for because I, you know, what I said basically, yeah, so financially it makes sense for Sony. However, from being a consumer, right? So step it back and say from a consumer, consumer perspective, right? We should 100% like, you know, rake them over the coals for this. We should 100% set them on fire for this. Like this is not acceptable. I think when everybody else is doing, especially the specific lockout, because you can choose what you want with your platform, of course, but if you're going to lock out the account for being played on other things, uh, Epic Games does share some responsibility here. And uh, this is something, just a theoretical I actually talked about on uh, my other stuff, but basically uh, we were kind of determining, okay, so Epic Games has the ability to undo this because we've seen before actually epic games had enabled crossplay by accident once and they just basically flipped a switch and uh, they've said also you know we could get this working in a number of hours so epic games potentially you know they could cross sony i don't think it'll happen but they could say no to sony and they could turn it on they could turn on off the account lock i should say actually and then it becomes the, the balls in sony's court because the argument then is does epic need sony or does sony need epic you know fortnite's the most popular game but ps4 is the most popular console and uh as far as things go right now i feel like epic might actually win that exchange uh, of course you know epic games doesn't have enough as much money behind them as sony does but um sony as the platform holder might have to if that were the case, given to some demands a little bit, I feel because the demands aren't, uh, especially because of the PR push as well. Imagine too, if Epic Games put the PR behind it, plus, like the PR plus the fact that Sony really wants Fortnite, uh, they could probably get away with uh, forcing it on Sony if they really wanted to. But uh, yeah, no, it's um, you know Microsoft's doing it because you know it's probably probably also financial on Microsoft's end though because I, you, that's the thing with a company right you don't know a hundred percent if they're doing it to be friendly to consumers or if they're doing it because it's beneficial like we don't know if Microsoft would turn around and score on us in the next generation if they become right, right. Uh, you know tops so we don't know but um you know i will say this much if based on what microsoft's been doing because they've been doing very well in terms of you know quality of life stuff in terms of consumer friendly stuff if they walk back on that next generation that's gonna make it very difficult for them considering what they've set up but uh yeah this this whole debacle is is really really uh it's a terrible situation for sony to be in and uh, they've not responded to it well um, but there's something else that actually also got brought up because of the, uh, what's it called? The switch port of Fortnite. Did you hear about the voice chats thing? No, I did not hear about oh, this. Is, this is great. So to use voice chat on switch is probably the most cumbersome, unnecessary thing ever. So you have to have a smartphone app and you have to plug your mic into the smartphone, uh, via headset and use the app to use voice chat on Switch. You can't just do it on Switch uh, because Nintendo wants you to use their app, right? And it's completely, it's unreasonable. At the very beginning, you couldn't actually close the app. You couldn't have it running in the background. It had to be the primary app for you to use voice chat. Uh, so the funny thing that happened though is Fortnite comes on Switch, right? And people find out they can just plug in a headset directly to the Switch and voice chat works. <laughs> so what that means is Nintendo has been intentionally locking the feature out, but it is a feature present in the console. And something my buddy Sam brought up is that there's actually different microphone jacks or uh, different microphone inputs and headset inputs that would determine if you're able to do that or not. So it's actually a hardware thing. So hardware wise in the Switch, you can totally plug it in and use voice chat, but Nintendo so is not allowing that to happen. Yeah. Okay. So Nintendo is not allowing it to happen, which is, you know, shame on them sort of situation, but they want to push their app as much as they can, yeah. clearly. 
but yeah. well um also just to clarify i believe with fortnite crossplay p uh, ps can play with pc yes pc ps can play with pc true um but beyond that um I had a point that I was going to make. Right, so this lockout, um, start with the Sony Fortnite thing. Is it, would it, would it be like this if it wasn't for Fortnite? If it wasn't a game that wasn't in such, like, in the limelight right now, would, would people still be as outraged? Or would it uh, still be making headlines? Probably not. And the reason I'd say so is because this actually, this lockout existed previously. So it wasn't something they just put in. But the only reason we didn't hear about it was because at that point, it was just between PC, uh, Xbox and PS4. So nobody was really sure, okay, is Sony locking out or is Microsoft locking out or is it just making sense they don't want to compete cross-platform? But then when Switch enters the fray and Xbox buddies up to Switch and Nintendo and you know PS4 is locking everybody else out, then it becomes a Sony problem. So until then, you know, it was just kind of a news story that went around on Fortnite forums. I did a bit of diving into that. But uh, yeah, now it's actually blown up. But I don't think without the switch, without the switch intervening, it wouldn't have. It really wouldn't have. Right. Yeah. And so you said Epic has the power um, to cross Sony, basically. And I and I they, agree. They I think could. yeah, they could. But would they? No, no, I don't think they would. But uh, it's more of a theoretical fun situation, right? right it's a right, fun, yeah. fun argument to have. Is could they? And what would happen? Would like, could the they afford part. to? Like. <laughs> What if what if six months from now Fortnite crashes and burns dramatically, yeah. and the next game that they have, the only partner uh, people who might be willing to partner up with them is Sony? Mm-hmm. But Sony is like, I remember that time when we did the thing when we told you not to do the thing, and now you want us to do a thing for you. Well, it's funny because right now the dynamic I feel favors. Uh, well, so like the, it's tough, right? Because platform holder, you need to go through the platform holder and publishers and that sort of thing to to be able to put something out. But Epic Games traditionally makes games for Microsoft, and you know I don't think Sony would be like. Let's say this happens, right? Let's say this happens, and in the future, you know, Fortnite goes down. You know, Epic's making another game. Uh, I don't know if, would it make business sense at that point for Sony to say, because that's the thing, you know, it, there's a grudge, sure, but does it make business sense for Sony to say, no, you know, we we want that to be a Microsoft exclusive, that next game you're making, you know, because then that, <laughs> yeah, the ball's yeah. in Sony's court, right? Because Epic could be like, hey, I mean, we're publishing it everywhere, but uh, if you don't want us, you know? Uh, so I think that even even should they slight them, they would allow their next game to, uh, to be there. It just kind of hurt from a... Uh, like the PR people probably between Epic and right, Sony would right. have some fights, but other than that, it probably wouldn't affect too much. <laughs> and so do you think within the next, let's say four weeks, uh, yeah. do you think Sony's going to be like, Hey guys, we've heard your, we've heard your complaints and we've, we've taken into consideration. Here's crossplay because Fortnite does have 125 yeah. million concurrent players. Oh man, I don't. So crossplay, I think is the best case scenario because we, we might get the account lockout changed crossplay. I don't know because crossplay hasn't, there hasn't been a victory for crossplay yet. And, you know, Sony did put out a response and their response was completely ignoring the problem. And they put it out within uh, like a few days of the news story. So I really, I would be surprised. I would be very surprised if they did it. I think they're going to ride this one out. I think they're going to try and ride this one out. But, you know, Microsoft and Nintendo are seizing on the opportunity. They actually, they put out a commercial together. I saw that. Yeah, uh, that it's really cute. I think I only saw like the ending panel. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a Minecraft crossplay commercial for yeah. between Xbox and Nintendo. It shows people with the Xbox One and then playing on the Switch and uh, building stuff together, fighting stuff together. And, you know, that that's a fun little industry, you know, history tidbit. You know, that's definitely wholesome as far as marketing campaigns go. So. <laughs> yeah. um and then you talked about the switch and the hardware issues yeah um 
which is a software issue, not a hardware issue. Right. Now, do you think, and I've been thinking about this uh, uh, quite a while recently, the Switch, there's there's no doubt to its popularity. Mm-hmm. It's been selling well. It, I think it outsold uh, the Wii U in, in a year, or yeah, almost yeah. outsold the Wii U in a year. It did, um, because oh, very handily, actually. The Wii U only sold, I think, 13.56 million units, and the Switch right last we heard at the end of March, I believe, was at 18 or 17.9 or something. So, yeah. That's a lot of units. Yeah. Um, so, but there are issues with the Switch. There are issues yeah. with how Nintendo's running the software, with the hardware. Uh, do you think they're just um, building up on their hardware, no, building up on the hype, collaborating with other developers, other studios, uh, setting up the foundations in terms of advertising, marketing, before they come out with the BAM, Switch 2, and it's like <laughs> so much better and everything that they asked for. Who you know, it's tough. I think Nintendo is doing two things right now. So one tidbit that was interesting was they said that it was actually going to be like they said, don't expect a switch revision soon. So longer than usual. So we'll probably be still waiting a year or two, maybe two or more even for another revision for the switch. That being said, you know, hardware problems are piling up. There's the left Joy-Con issue with the antenna. There's the, you know, the fact that they can physically be hacked with the short out thing. Uh, There's, you know, some, there's some patent label situations as well, I believe. So like their hardware problems with it are starting to pile up, but what they're doing right now really is rebuilding a lot of bridges because Nintendo hasn't had third party support in a big sense for a long time. Uh, Probably since the GameCube, arguably Uh, we had a ton of third party support. Like, don't get me wrong, but the type we're talking about which is parody with the consoles that are out right now um of course not graphically but to put it this way is that the wii was too underpowered for most of the things to get ported over so a lot of people stopped kind of working with them on their main games but you know especially nowadays we're seeing with the likes of bethesda and you know capcom starting to get in there a little bit they're experimenting they're trying to really port true experiences of theirs core experiences over to switch so nintendo's doing a lot of rebuilding especially after the wii u when nobody would work with them so they're rebuilding you know their issues are piling up but i think that if should they come out with the revision for the switch, I, it will fix all those problems. It'll, this dock probably won't scratch, you know, the, the uh, antenna, there will be an antenna in the left joy con, that sort of thing. Um, and I'm sure voice chat will be, uh, they, they can only force it for so long. I feel, you know, they third parties will probably make it so that you could just voice chat naturally, but then the Nintendo first parties won't, but uh, we'll see if Nintendo changes their mind on that. But yeah, no, they're, they're in a position where, uh, they're growing right now. You know, they're selling a lot of consoles and it's a matter to see if they're, they're going to hit their targets. I think they're going to fall a little short of their target for this year, but I don't think it's going to be too short. I think the hardware issues might also be um, because of the insanely high demand. Mm-hmm. And so they had to push out push out units like there was no tomorrow so probably because of the quality, the uh, the quantity, the quality started lacking in some of the other cons- uh, units. That's probably... Yeah. Uh, at least that's what makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm trying to think about so it's like some of the problems. Some of the problems were design problems. Like the mm. fact that the the intent there was not an intent in the left Joy-Con is a design problem, and that's why it'll disconnect sometimes, and you'll find your character running away if you have one of the original units. And that's just a straight you know oversight in terms of they thought it would be enough, and it wasn't uh, when they were designing it. The Switch dock thing, I don't know so much about because I could very much see them considering what's in the Switch dock. I could see them basically outsourcing. They probably outsourced the design of that, and I'm not sure. I would have been surprised if they didn't get hands-on and notice to scratch the screen, but 
you know, I don't know. I don't know what that what that process was and how much uh, testing they did there, because the fact of the matter is the natural dock with the natural switch does scratch the screen if you're taking in and out a ton, even if you're being very careful, which is why I put a protector on mine like day one. Right, right. But uh, yeah, no, they um, they probably sped it out a little bit. And uh, I know their design seemed a little bit sped out. Like they clearly missed a few things, but you know, uh, there's the case where a lot of people do, you know, the launch PS3 cooked eggs, the launch Xbox 360, <laughs> uh, you know, had the red ring of death and, yeah. and it's sounding numbers. So console failures when you first run, you can't predict every problem and how severe yeah. the problem will be until you have millions of units out there. So, you know, it's yeah, hard because to there's do, no but. beta program for like, Oh, we'll give you this console. Why don't you just, Take it through the drag it through the mud, drop it yeah. off a building, do whatever you can and find out all the problems so we can fix it and put it out for lunch. Hey, thanks, even, yeah, and even when there is, right? Generally how testing works is they'll look at a production line and they'll test one every so many units and see if there's a mm -hmm. default. And that way they can say, okay, is this line faulty? Is this line not faulty? But you, there's no test comparison that you can do that will be the equivalent of getting, you know, five million of that console out there and then people start to find a problem. You know, you can't test with a test group of millions. <laughs> that's a release so, all right all right so yeah. Cam, this is the plan we're gonna we're gonna pitch microsoft or uh, sony whoever whoever wants to listen we're gonna we're gonna buy up a million units yep right of whatever their next gen console is we'll okay. find a million people and then we'll just sit in the warehouse have a huge slumber party and yeah. just game like 24 7 and <laughs> obviously they have to pay us because right. it doesn't yeah they have to pay us they have we're to. testing they have it for to. them and we just play it on like uh, you can't really choose like graphical settings on consoles but we'll find like the most demanding games and just grind yeah. it out like yeah. constantly yeah and we'll we'll throw them around and we'll take them in and out of the docks and we'll break the controllers <laughs> we'll throw our remotes at television screens and see if it cracks and then at the end and the end the best part is we'll get away with two next gen consoles Yep. Everybody else has returned theirs and they're not going to realize until they've counted and taken inventory and then logged in all the reports and all the failures. <laughs> and at the end, there'll only be one console design left. Really a battle royale of mechanic designs. So. <laughs> console royale. Yeah, they should do that. They should, uh, I, no joke, all joking aside, they might even do this. They should realistically, right? They have early design ideas for consoles. They should mock up like three or four and put them through the ringer and see which one survives the longest. <laughs> Or you whichever know? one, like, put it through the production line, whichever yeah. one comes out first or comes out with no problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but anyway, yeah. So what do we got? Um, Steam Summer Sale is back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. You know, every year it gets a little more. It's that thing where every year the Steam Sale gets a little more disappointing just by nature of you've bought all the things you've wanted in the past, right, you right. know. So it always gets less and less and less. But this year, I think they took the cake for... Not phoning it in necessarily, but oh man, oh man, the the gimmick they have this year is pretty silly. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, there's a uh, salience, salience. Yeah, salience. Um, you know, like it's, it's a limited time sale. Uh, well, so what they're doing is Salians is a like browser game you can play in the app and in the website where it's just a tower defense, basically, that enters you in a sweepstakes with other players to win a Steam key of like a game. So a planet that you might fight on might be like, oh, here's the pirate planet where you can win, uh, you know, uh, I forget what it was called. Uh, un not Uncharted, the Assassin's Creed 4 black flag or so you know some of the other pirate games and you know they have just a bunch of different theme planet like the fine arts planet for artistic games or the mind melding planet for weird you know subverting your expectations games and you fight on them to get entered and a chance to win but the thing is this is like a super phoned in flash browser game that looks like it was made in like 
like a day or something like that. <laughs> it's also running on the same server as the site itself and the store page. So, so that's why it crashed. Yeah. So it crashes every second and the store crashes too because of the game. It, it's like, really, really, you probably should have figured that one out ahead of time. Think with the amount of money that they make, they'd be able to like, all right, we can set up one <laughs> private server, yeah. you know. Yeah, but they're they're clearly running on the same server as the store page because they're they're you know timing each other out all the time. So they're also excited. Yesterday it went live yesterday, right? Twenty second, no, twenty first. So yeah, two days ago, two days ago yeah. um, logged in and uh, on on the client, and I'm like, refer- uh, like let's see what's being sold, and then, uh, nothing, nothing mm-hmm. was loading. I couldn't see anything. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh man, I'll check again later. Came back in the evening, same thing, and I could only see all the deals yesterday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was. Um, I asked you about uh, JRPG recommendations, and you recommended uh, Tokyo. Yeah. So so a couple things. So uh, the, just one more thing about the game, real quick, that I forgot. Yeah. So the thing about the game is allegedly the best way to be entered to win your prizes to right. like the best highest chance is you actually just fight once and then stay on the planet without playing and you just idle there so apparently idling is the most effective way to try and get keys which is funny because if you're idling then you're not looking at the store to buy things (laughs) which is maybe a design not not intentional on their end because what that means is that oh wait you can't do both at the same time unless you load up the website and the app so they're actually probably you know screwing themselves out of sales a little bit there at least people looking at the store but uh yeah so uh, you know, you asked for JRPG recommendations, and it was tough because I was like, okay, what do you want, though? So you said an action JRPG, not post-apocalyptic. So, you know, you wanted you wanted some of that that core JRPG stuff. You want some of the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I want some, like, unicorns and some kawaii and some, like, yeah, yeah. and, like, magic. And then you recommended uh, Tokyo... Tokyo Xanadu. Yeah. Xanadu and yep. East Origins. And uh, East but Origins. first you recommended Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, I tried East Origins. I, I downloaded the demo. The the game mechanics are different, different to what I'm used to because I'm used to shooters. I was gonna say uh, I slash like Skyrim, <laughs> Witcher Three. So it was weird, and I couldn't wrap my like the combo systems. Uh, but it was fun. I had some fun with it. Yeah. I'm just for the price, I would probably buy it. Um, mm-hmm. Just to, because I, I can't be like, oh, I played this for 20 minutes. I don't really like it. Like, I feel like it takes at least a little bit longer than that to say you don't really like the game. Yeah, um, it is a tough sell. I mean, let me tell you, dude, it's very much a tough sell, though. That's why I recommended Dark Souls first was because I was trying to think of, OK, what's a good action uh, RPG that can take a little bit of the Western game experience you've had and bring it over there? Because, you know, jumping into yeast, going from, you know, playing Destiny and shooters to jumping into yeast is a big jump. Like yeah. I didn't jump at the East for a long time, you know, like that, that, uh, you know, little subset of games there. So it is definitely a tough sell, but you know, what's great about the East series as a whole is you, you're supposed to play it incredibly fast, especially origins and, uh, some of the other steam, the ones you'll see on steam, a lot of them, you play incredibly fast. So like East origins, the gameplay is extremely fast. You're supposed to be jumping around, you're supposed to be spinning. Yeah, I noticed time. that was, that yeah. was fun. Um, yeah. the demo gave me three emblems. It gave mm-hmm. me uh shield, uh, which was, I think the, uh, lightning yep. it gave me the fire like wavy circles of destruction mm-hmm. and something else i don't remember and that was fun i was just running around mashing the buttons trying yep. to figure out trying to memorize which one was jump and which one was attack and i couldn't yeah. figure it out so i was just mashing <laughs> both constantly so, yeah, um, and then gotta... the mouse movement directional vector thing was also weird but yeah so i think uh, i'm trying to remember if i played that with the controller and not 
I don't remember what I played it with. Uh, you know, a lot of these games were, are, are, you know, it's better sometimes playing with a controller that has a right. analog, but I don't remember how I played it on Steam originally. But yeah, you know, as a series, you know, they play very fast gameplay wise. You're supposed to run through very fast. You're supposed to get caught up in the soundtrack too, like with the rhythm, because the soundtrack is always this like really, really fast, hard rock borderland on metal yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. And so it's thrashing all over the place. And when you keep up pace for it, it feels really, really good. Uh, very difficult. And if you go on the higher difficulties, a uh, very difficult boss. Uh, and this it is it becomes a bullet hell it becomes a bullet hell at times actually with with bosses and you know it's overall very entertaining but it, it's definitely more difficult to get into but it, you know it was a tough recommendation because i was trying to give you something modern and something to fit those but it wasn't going to be too too in there but you know it is it is tough i would suggest i think a couple transitionary games are necessary before you, you get into there yeah yeah, so then I, I I was thinking about it, and then after I played that demo, I'm like, I really just want to either like a silly shoot 'em up game, or mm-hmm. because I just want to fun like you go in for like 20 minutes, oh you have some fun, play like through a stage or whatever, mm-hmm. and or like a hack and slash. And so I started looking at possibly picking up Bayonetta. They put out yeah. the uh, remastered version, and I always thought Bayonetta looked just ridiculous, and I just want to play it, mm-hmm. um, or Dark Souls, but Dark Souls. I want to chill. Like I just, I just want to chill. And Dark Souls seems like it's very like soul crushing. Yeah, uh, Dark Souls. I will say is is it's hyped up more than it is. Like it's not as hard as people people. Like I'll put it this way: if Dark Souls was hard, I wouldn't be able to beat it because I'm. We've talked about it on streams before and that sort of thing. If anybody watches my streams, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at games that require you know quick inputs and stuff like that. <laughs> but luckily, Dark Souls isn't about quick inputs. Dark Souls is about being aware of your environment, taking things methodically, slowly, and carefully. So if you're playing it and you're aware of your surroundings, if you're not just running forward without the idea that, oh, there might be a trap above my head, oh, there might be an enemy behind a corner, um, you're going to have a hard time if you're running in without considering those things. But if you're considering those things, if you're taking it methodically and slow, um, being very intentional with your attacks, it's a very good time and it's very doable. So I, I had no problem with Dark Souls, but it's definitely the the you're going to die thing is hyped up a lot more than uh, it should be, I think. Like you will die. You will die a decent amount. But if you're careful about it, it's a very entertaining time and not not as high um, tension necessarily because you can take things slow at your own pace for the most part. Um, but yeah, Bayonetta, you know, that's the thing, right? Not an RPG necessarily, but if you were to ask me, hey, Cam, recommend me a you know, Japanese action game, I'd be like, oh, because yeah, <laughs> Bay- get on Bayonetta, get on Devil May Cry, get on all that stuff, get on everything that Platinum Games has ever made, 100%. So I definitely super recommend Bayonetta. Definitely. Yeah, just even from the trailer, Babylon's Fall, the, the trailer that they showcased at E3 looks epic. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be. That's the thing. Like, Platinum's good at what they make and they almost always only make that sort of stylish action game uh they could branch out but uh it'll probably be a stylish action game regardless i'll love it i'll tell you that right now regardless i'll love it but uh yeah no getting in bayonet is a good thing to do right now definitely so especially because you know three is coming out and you'll have if you pick up a switch you'll have the ability to play uh one and two there too eventually yeah Mm -hmm. um and then i was looking at kingdoms of amalur Uh, (laughs) oh man do you know the story behind that game no idea. Okay, Kingdoms of Ambler Reckoning. So I'll, I'll start with this. Uh, I was actually, um, I was there during its development. So Kingdoms of Ambler Reckoning was made in Rhode Island. Okay. And it was made in my state. And it was actually a really big controversy. So are you familiar with sports at all? Like, do you, uh, what do you kind do of sports? Sport? It's like baseball. No. Okay. Baseball, no. So um, Red Sox. In the Red Sox is a very famous pitcher, I believe, called Kurt Schilling. Okay. And uh, Kurt Schilling 
was working on this game, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, with a studio called 38 Studios. Um, I, I could tell the story another time, but basically I ended up accidentally going to Kurt Schilling's house and stumbled upon him um, working on the game when it was being created. So that's, that's a fun side story if you ever want to hear it, and I can talk about that. But uh, basically what happened was the state of Rhode Island, figuring that they were going to try and become some sort of, you know, Providence, our capital was going to become some sort of, you know, game development haven. They gave a bunch of credit to 38 studios and spent a bunch of taxpayer money, like millions of dollars to give them subsidies so that they can make their game. And then Kings of Ambler Reckoning came out and it was only okay and completely undersold to the point where, you know, Kurt Schilling, I think went into not bankruptcy, but he had to shut down the studio. Uh, he might've gone even into bankruptcy and, you know, they lost all the money and they could never get it back. So all that taxpayer money was wasted. And so Rhode Island is now like, like the state of Rhode Island basically was sacrificed to make kingdoms of Hamler reckoning. Like we, lost, <laughs> we lost so much money on it because we're such a small state that they were trying to court them to come in and make the game here. But uh, it was, it was a gamble that did not pay off. So we lost so much money. <laughs> okay so that's a backstory to that's the uh, backstory to the right? game but how is the game itself have it's, you played it's, it it's oh yeah of course i have to we're yeah, all forced to uh, we're all forced <laughs> to because it's, you know you come in uh, to school at 8 a.m yep. from 8 to 8 30 every day you have to start a login to your account yep. play some yeah. kingdoms and then before you go home too from 1 30 to mm -hmm. 2 you have to play a little bit before you head home yeah yeah actually people were talking about it on twitter i'm pretty sure i think that's where i posted it i was like you know it was a grim day when they shut down the studio because ever since they've been forcing us into the clam mines every day to, to make up for it the coal hog mines <laughs> in rhode island so uh we have to make up for it but yeah no i played it and it, it's it's <laughs> that's the thing right it's it's fine and that's a problem in that period of time. In that period of time, fine wasn't enough. And right. so it did okay, sold decently, but it was not some smash hit, you know, amazing wide scope open world that they had intended it to be. In reality, it's really just like a single player MMO in terms of gameplay. It feels like you're playing a single player MMO with a combat system, mind you, that's definitely superior to a lot of MMOs, but it does okay. feel like that sort of like, you know, if this was an MMO RPG, it very easily could be, but it's not. So, yeah, Kingdoms of Ambler, it's definitely if you can get a cheap, you know, five bucks worth of pickup. But, uh, yeah, if, if you can pretty much anyone who's in Rhode Island who knows about video games, that sort of thing. If you mention the game, they can't help but just be like, oh, man, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. It is um, five dollars yeah. Canadian for me right now. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's what we get. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I actually uh, before even all this. So as I mentioned, I'd stumbled upon the game in early development because it turns out my cousins were friends with Kurt Schilling because uh, right. he had a, he had a son my cousin's age, and we were at a party in the town where he lives, and uh, we were just going back to the son's house. I was there for the weekend, and they're like, "Yeah, let's just go back to our friend Gehrig's house," and. I didn't like it was just this huge mansion, right? You know, enormous place, you know, under, you know, big uh, theater inside, you know, movie theater inside, baseball courts, all that stuff, right? And then, of course, you know, we're watching, I think, 28 Days, like the zombie movie. Right. And then yeah. uh, Kurt Schilling walks in and I'm like, oh, that's why, that's why all of this, <laughs> huh? And then he was showing us like this game he was making, which eventually turned out to be King Gambler. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, man, I must have been eight, like 12, 11 at the time, 12, 13, maybe. I don't know. Okay. But yeah. So so, so that's that. So if you do want to pick it up, definitely worth that amount of money. But uh, there's a lot of story to that game. So 
Is there anything you have your eyes on the summer sale? I'm, you know, I'm going to play it serious this time. You know, this is the first summer sale where I'm, you know, I'm on my own now financially and that sort of thing. I'm making money. So I'm going to just, what I'm going to do, honestly, because there's no flash sales, which honestly I miss, but uh, everything's this on sale till July 5th. I'm going to load up my wish list and my cart with everything I want absolutely everything and then pare it down at the end and maybe spend a hundred bucks yeah and that was the that was most my plan effective too. way i can spend a hundred dollars because yeah. my thing is like i like physicals i love console physical so anything that's on a console i can get physical i won't be buying here but anything that's on a pc so this is going to be where i'm picking up all my indies probably uh some right, double right, games right. that are just digital that sort of thing you know i have a new computer now too so i can play everything so okay. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to look around at probably a lot of visual novels because I really like visual novels. I'm going to grab up some of those. I'm going to grab up. I know um, I might grab up Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, actually. I was thinking about that, but yeah. I can't do horror games. So, yeah, and it's not like it, it's not based right, in horror, right. but it does get like scary. It does um, get scary. Yeah. So, but uh, I'll pick that up. I might pick up some space exploration games. It might be time to finally get Elite Dangerous or something like that. But uh, right. mostly I'm going to, I neglect indies like crazy. So I'm just going to go through and grab any indies I can find really that are interesting. So if anyone has indie suggestions, feel free to shoot them at me, honestly, at Cam Collects on Twitter. So, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, that's, that's pretty much it. We're going to move into the game releases coming out this week. All right. Uh, we've got. Hamrick that released on the 19th of June on mm-hmm. PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Any idea what that is? Yep. So that's a bit of a, it's a puzzle adventure game. And the big thing about it, it's an indie puzzle adventure game. And they're, what they said, art style wise, the art style, first off, looks almost, it's almost like half drawn. So it almost looks like on a, if I'm remembering correctly, it's almost like a brown back canvas or a tan back canvas and it looks drawn on. But um, okay. there's, they're trying to mix the gameplay and the narrative itself. And I only really looked at the trailer for it. So I'm not sure how they achieve that. But uh, yes, an indie puzzle game is what you're going to get out of that. So and we've got Sniper Rust VR for the Rift that also yep. released on the 19th. It's a, a sniper campaign in VR. You have to fight an insurgency, I believe. And it, it's a VR sniper game. So you're getting okay. what, you, what you pay for there. And then this seems like a game that I feel like you would know about. Anima Gate of Memories, The Nameless Chronicles, <laughs> PC, PS4, Xbox One that yep. was released on June 19th. Yeah. So uh, the thing about that. So was this the one with... Anima, this is the this, this isn't Anima Gate of Memories. This is Anima Gate of Memories, something nameless, the nameless right? Chron- Chronicles, yeah so, yeah. so this is a sequel. And I actually didn't really know about this because I don't think it's Japanese. Like usually it does sound like it's it's a JRPG. It, no, it's, it sounds like you're it, kind of oh, game. 100%. Like when I looked at it, I actually looked for the PSV tag. I was like, is that a Vita release? Like I looked for the Vita release, but um, it's an action RPG. I do know that. So it, it's an action RPG. I believe the synopsis is that you're a the being of unknown origin some immortal being and you have to find out uh, what's going on with you and that sort of thing um, and it's a third person action rpg so it, i don't know if it inspired necessarily I, I only saw a couple screenshots of it but i saw i'll put it this way right i saw a part of the game that made it look like it might have been trying to dmc a little bit a little bit of devil may cry uh it looked like the guy was almost in dante's like up in the air jumping gun pose when he's shooting so i i didn't i got those vibes at least that it was a little bit dmc but i'm not too sure on that i just know it is an action rpg so it is an action rpg inspired by japanese rpgs okay all right um, but i can't find uh any sort of information on where the devil the i was just gonna say what's the dev team called i could probably tell you based on that they're called um anima project they're probably not. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me. Um, I'll double check, but <laughs> but yeah. Then we've got uh, Lost in Harmony uh, that came out on the PC and Switch uh, on the twenty first. Yeah, I think that's actually. Is that a mobile port? I thought there was a mobile game of that beforehand. Lost in Harmony. Could have sworn. Let's see. Oh yeah, Anima Project Studio, indie studio formed by just three people who dedicated their lives to games. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, think it's, it's a mobile uh, port. Okay, yeah. So this this is a mobile port of. I'm not sure too much about gameplay on this one, unfortunately, but it's on PC and Switch. Digits art. Okay, yeah, yeah. So this is a Switch port now. I know that much. And then we've got a game that uh, we've talked about plenty before uh, that officially came out now yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the 22nd of June, Mario Tennis Aces. Oh boy. And, uh, we've talked about how it's pretty much a fighting game. And so we're yeah. not going to go too much into it because we've had plenty of conversations. But I was reading something that I didn't know about where you can win the game by breaking your opponent's rackets. Yeah, no, that's what we were talking about. It's part of the joke about it's a fighting game is there's like HP and life bar and meter management. Like there's mechanics to be like, oh, you could just go for a KO or you could play tennis. So like, <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot to it. We've actually, I'm the only one in my group, uh, my other group, who didn't pick it up because I primarily, I don't do multiplayer much. And so okay. there wasn't enough single player content for me. And that, that's the thing too. Apparently the single player campaign is pretty short and pretty lackluster, but multiplayer, I mean, the mechanics of the game are so good that multiplayer wise if you enjoy getting competitive you're gonna like this a ton a ton all the reviews i've read are like yeah it's okay yeah 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 that's the thing a lot of reviewers i did notice i think the review score actually might be muted a little bit by the fact that it's very difficult um and they probably just played the single player content for review purposes because it is incredibly brutal and difficult but like you know difficulty isn't necessarily unless it's unfair difficulty something that I'll put it this way. Journalists have a hard time getting through things sometimes. <laughs> I'll say that as nice yeah, as I because, can. <laughs> because they have time crunches and they have yeah. to get things out now. So when they can't spend time on like a game mm-hmm. that's focused on multiplayer, they're, they're not essentially going to give it like the best review, especially right, if it's right. like, pick it up from the get-go. Right. And another uh, thing to consider too, I mean, motor functions do decrease with age and game journalists these days. I mean, we're game journalists are mostly in their 30s and 40s now. So which, compared to which 15 year old ageist, yeah. but that's weird. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is just because, you know, they the industry is only a one generation industry so That's far. Yeah, so there are yeah. all the people who started in it. You know, next generation is honestly us. I think our age group is probably the next generation, but uh you know, we got to get in there first. <laughs> it's like it's like have you ever seen an old rapper, like an 80-year-old oh, like famous yeah, rapper, yeah, no. that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um yeah. Um not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Hopefully some make it till the, the the tender ages of 80. Yeah, yeah, um, that'll be tough. And then we've got PUBG's Sandhook map that came mm-hmm. out uh yesterday, the 22nd of June for PC. Yep. And there's a new Gundam Breaker. Um, yeah, PS4 that also came out on the 22nd. Gundam Breaker is a cool series. So um, Gundam Breaker is Gunpla. So you know those models that they build? Like the Gundam models mm-hmm, people mm-hmm, build? Mm-hmm. That's called Gunpla. Yeah. And uh, the Gundam game is you play as a Gunpla and basically you go through, you're fighting in like households and stuff like that, like people's houses. And you you fight each other in an arena and you break off parts of the other Gundam and then you can put them on yourself and you know customize your, your Gundam okay, and stuff so like that. Breaker makes sense, yeah. Yeah, custom, customize your mobile suit and that sort of thing. So th- that series is actually really nice. And we don't get too many of them in the West. I believe, oh, this might, I don't know if this is the first localization or not, but uh, it is coming out for the West, which is pretty impressive because usually they don't. I don't think three did for a while. 
uh, it's tough, right? Because there's always, uh, it's region free console, the PS4 uh, and the Vita as well. So you can always import it and there might right. be English right. subs because of Asian releases, but yeah. it might not be a Western release game. So, but this, okay. this case it is in this case it is, but it might be okay. the first one of that nature. So it's, it's very nice. Yeah. Okay. And there's one more that's not listed on here, but that's, uh, the entire crash and scene trilogy. The remastered version is mm-hmm. coming out for the Xbox and PC June 29th, which wow. I'm personally excited for. Yeah. So wow. I might actually. A big chunk of my Steam money is probably going to go into that. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm split between buying it for my Xbox or for the PC, mm-hmm. just because playing it on the Xbox would bring back some of the controller nostalgia. Yeah, you know. But then I'd have obviously superior graphics and be able to stream it if I got it on the PC. Yep, I will say it's going to feel very, very bizarre playing the original Crash on an Xbox. Yeah, yeah. that's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I could buy it. I could buy it on my uh, PC, and I could just hook up my controller to it too, right? Yeah, true, so true. You totally could. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that's pretty much it. Um, cool. Anything else we want to go over before we start wrapping up? Uh, I don't think I have anything. I think I'm all set. No, we're good. We miss we miss Tyler. Uh, it's it's a we're happy for him, but you know it's yeah. unfortunate that he had to abandon us and leave us for the wolves to die. Um, yeah, to die. Um, yeah. He had no okay. reason to. It's not important. <laughs> so um, th- this is the weekly uh, spiel on uh, uh, St. Jude's coming in. St. Jude's is hey. a research facility. Uh, they they kick uh, they they battle childhood cancer. Any yeah. research that they yeah. put out that they come out any breakthroughs they put it out as research for free and everybody use it. Uh, I'm going to a conference uh, a convention in July fourteenth uh, and thirteenth and fourteenth. 13th and 14th of July in Tampa Bay, Florida called Guardian Con that is partnered with St. Jude's. 2016, they raised $500,000. 2017, they raised $1.3 million. This year, they're already at $900,000 and their goal is $3 million, which I think is entirely possible because they partnered up with Dr. Lupo, with Ninja, all the top Fortnite streamers, King Richard, Real Crafty. It's going to be great. Uh, The charity block block starts on the... 4th or 5th of July. If you look up Guardian Con on Google, you'll find their Twitter and their or and their Facebook, and they'll have all the information there. Uh, that's when they make the bulk of their money. Um, yeah, do that. Uh, if, if you don't support, uh, go to guardiancon.co slash support, and you'll be able to nice. make money. If you don't do that, you're a jerk because you, you support cancer and you yeah. suck. Um, and that's true. If you if you don't donate, you support cancer, and that's yeah. you don't want to do that. Cancer is bad. You don't want to be on that side. That. That's um, the wrong side of history. That's the wrong side of history <laughs> to be on. You can email us at you can email us at casualmasterquest at gmail or hit us up on Twitter at masterquestpod. All podcasts and gaming can be found on our YouTube channel, which we will link on our Twitter. Um, a plug in for Tyler because he's not here today. He is at two times Tyler on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at LRWarrior11 and my mixer, which is mixer.com forward slash LRWarrior11. And streams will be coming back soon, I hope, uh, eventually, whenever I do find time. Uh, Cam, where can we find you? You can find me at Cam Collects on Twitter. I use it every day, so please come and talk to me there. I tweet like three times, four times a day, probably. Uh, I also stream on twitch.tv slash Cam Collects. I do that Monday nights at 7 p.m. EST, doing Pokemon Emerald Randomized. And then Friday at 4 p.m. EST, I'm going through games I've never played before that are very prolific on consoles for the very first time. So we actually just uh, yesterday played DuckTales. We beat DuckTales in one go. And uh, next week is either 1942 or Gradius, both 
both shoot 'em ups on the NES. Okay. So that's okay. what I do there. And then I also run another podcast besides this, and you can find that at into the video or on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places if you just search into the video game. And that's it for me. Um, yeah, so thanks for hanging out, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, this episode, uh, just as a disclaimer, will be out a little bit later because Tyler does all the production and he will be back from his honeymoon a little bit later in the week. Yep. So normally the episode comes out on Monday mornings, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Eastern. Uh, it comes out like Sunday midnight for me or like yeah. 11 p.m. for me. Um, uh, so yeah, expect it to be later throughout the uh, middle of the week. Um, and you know don't forget to never stop the grind i butchered that completely tyler i'm sorry please that's okay please you said it you got it out there i'm leaving right. you bye bye <laughs>